So I think we have our first follow-up. All right. So I've been doing a lot of thinking this week about our conversation about the Protestant work ethic. Um, And I have a couple things about that. Uh, Number one, I do not like my tone when we discuss the Protestant work ethic. (laughs) I think I sounded like a whiny baby. Um, And I also think I pigeonholed you strongly into an opinion that you do not necessarily have about the Protestant work ethic. And I allowed certain preconceived notions and pre-existing conditions to taint whatever it was that you were saying and my ability to hear that. So when I listen back to the episode, mostly what I hear is you making very valid points and me saying, yeah, but nah, (laughs) all over that. Basically, the point I ended up making, which I feel like is a dissatisfying place for me to have landed, is that I am more important than service. I don't think that's. I don't think you're being. I don't think that's a charitable uh, uh, reading of of your of where you landed. I think it was a little bit more legitimate than that. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean, I definitely, I definitely made a good argument for that. Um, but I think that where I ended up was. In in essence, I ended up at I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. Living a a life of like peace and ease is one of the main reasons for me to do work, right? Because work allows my yeah. mind to become at ease, you know. Because I need to off gas a bunch of the stuff that floats around in my head, and work is a an ideal way for me to do that. But it's a very selfish tack to take on work, right? Because it makes work something that is only about me, right? It basically says that work is a tool for me to feel great. I feel like if I were an older, wiser man and I heard my 25-year-old self say that work is a tool for me to feel great, I would, like, pat myself on the head and be like, all right, kid. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and so me being one week older than I was when I said that, hearing myself say that, I kind of wanted to pat myself on the head and be like, all right, kid. And so that is, like, a, an interesting place for me where, like, there's these things that are not moral issues – but they sort of become hygiene issues, which is very close to morality, because cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah. Well, this is this is where we get to. It's it's putting your ducks in a row, right? It's uh that and that's the hygiene part of it. I think is what the uh, is just you know yeah, getting out of the house, getting into the sun, doing some work, taking a shower, just putting your ducks in a row gets you into the right place. So says my mother. All right, let's kick it off. Hello. Hello. What's up, brother? Let's talk about fits and starts. <laughs> fits and starts is about people our age talking about work. Fits and starts is highly specific. 
but highly specific in the things I'm interested in. <laughs> the things that I like, I think that I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> conversations that you guys have are like real life conversations. If you were like sitting in my living room, so keep up that good work. Like podcasting, honey. But ding! There's really only one thing I don't like mic problems. Not often you get to hear two white dudes give their opinions on stuff. <laughs> annoying bros, but not annoying. Like, no, you know what fits and starts is like. Fits and starts. Fits and starts. Fits and starts is a morale booster. That's actually that's absolutely what it is. <laughs> This week, we'll talk about pop culture portrayals of our jobs, the phenomenon of visionary bro culture, helpful people, and then we get distracted by a little life update from a college friend. As always, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter. Our handles are in the show notes. I had one question about um, that would, may, may end up being a shorter thing, but it was just something I've, I'm, I've been curious about is... Uh, how you perceive representations of programmers and hackers in popular culture. We started to talk a little bit about Halt and Catch Fire. We talked about Mr. Robot. Uh, I think in, in, not on the show, but we've talked about Silicon Valley before. There's a lot of shows about this. There's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of books about this. There are a lot of movies about this. Are, are there shows and movies that have gotten it right? And like, what's your general take on like, uh, as somebody who actually does this job, um, I think it's an interesting thing to see your job portrayed in uh, media. Cool. Yeah. So as far as like what media I like, uh, I would say like the media that's gotten technology most right recently has been Mr. Robot. As far as like all of the things that they do technically in that show are possible and that is how people would actually do it or that is one of the possible ways that people would do it, right? There's no, like, hacking the mainframe or, like, turn and enhance or whatever. He's actually using Hashcat to uh, to decrypt a, you know, a password hash, which is how you would decrypt a password hash, right? And he's actually using, yeah. like, you know, the things he's doing are, like, reasonable things. Like, they're actually, like, going in and plugging in a Wi-Fi pineapple or something to... Uh, the FBI's network, you know, and they have someone walk in and plug something in over Ethernet that's like a Raspberry Pi with Wi-Fi, you know, and that's like how if you need to get on a network, that's how you would do it. You would just have someone walk in and plug it in. The stuff in that show, while it's obviously like needs to be exciting and hyped up, I think they do a pretty good job of it. Silicon Valley also does a very good job of like a lot of the technical aspects and a lot of the like sociopolitical aspects. The way that they portray like Dinesh and Guilfoyle when they're writing code is very much like a lot of the like engineer relationships I've seen. One of the funniest things to me in there is like neither of those guys would describe themselves as like wanting to be like an alpha or like a competitive bro. But like, right. It very quickly turns into that because they're both like kind of like self-centered competitive people who are very good at their jobs, but are very underappreciated. Uh, and it's it's hilarious how quickly it turns into these like little pissing mas- matches. Right, totally. That's a thing. One thing that is very true about uh, Silicon Valley, uh, which was kind of brought my brought to my attention by someone I work with, the first season is like very broy, and like there's three female characters in the first season, and one of them, right. one of them is trying to <laughs> Dinesh to get him to write code for her. 
One of them is mm-hmm. uh, Monica, who works for a venture capital company, but in the first season is really only there as a love interest for the CEO. And the third mm-hmm. female character is a stripper. And so the first season, those <laughs> yeah. are the female characters in Silicon Valley. And then in the second season, they like round out Monica a little bit and make her more interesting. They bring in a female CEO of the venture capital company. They bring in some female hackers. Mm-hmm. And like they stop, like they start portraying women as like more than one dimensional characters uh which is right great i still think i think they could still do a lot better but they did improve one of the things that i've noticed in like certain open source communities that i've been a part of or whatever is like there is a very very broy culture to a lot of it and i wish there was a lot less of that and like there have been slack channels that i'm in for like big open source projects where, like, the main, like, general chat or, like, off-topic channel, mm. like, will constantly devolve into a conversation about, like, porn or sex every day. Seriously? And I'm like, like, I've literally gone in there and gone on these rants. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, is this, like, the... Yeah, right. Like, is this the message you want to send to, like, a new community member who, like, joins our Slack and this is, like, the default channel they get thrown into? And, like, you want right. them to see, like... You guys talking about, like, I mean, it's not like anyone's, like, sitting around talking about, like, here's the porn that I watch or whatever. But it's, like, it's just guys sitting around, like, making like, making sex jokes, you know? Right. And yeah. I'm, like, like well, this is supposed to be, like, an inviting community that, like, wants people to join it and wants to grow. And, like, what if one of those people who wants to join our community happens to be, like, a 17-year-old girl? Yeah? Right. Then what are you, what are you doing? Right. Or just anyone who doesn't want to talk like that. Like. Yeah, exactly. But it's, like, particularly not welcoming to anyone who, like, can't bro down. You know? Like, you can't bro down like you're not welcome is kind of the message that's sending. It's so gross. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing all over the world as we know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's in every industry. Uh, It might be particularly bad in yours, but it sucks that that's, like, a reality. and, And I'm glad that, like, it feels like there's some momentum that, uh, at, at least in certain places, uh, people are starting to like recognize that. And it's a weird thing. Cause I feel like guys need good female relationships to like start picking up on stuff like that. Cause like, I, I do feel like left to our own devices, most guys don't figure out that that's a problem. Yeah. Well, like, and honestly, like the reason this was all brought up in my head was that like one of my coworkers who is like a super talented programmer and also a woman mentioned this transition from like the first season of Silicon Valley to the second and third season of Silicon Valley. Yeah. And like, this is something that I would not have noticed if it wasn't like forced onto my attention by someone who had to notice it. But yeah, I think the thing that I noticed more, the effects of media portrayals of programmers on people who I interact with in the real world. And how that means that people understand what I do. I have stopped telling Uber drivers, particularly, that I make websites. Uh, I was doing it for a while. They would ask, what do, you do, what do you do? And I say, I make websites. And inevitably, every single Uber driver has a website they need made. And this is just <laughs> something I've learned. It's such an enterprising group of people. They, I mean, it is. and it's, But it's like... They're all websites that should be Squarespace sites. And so I recommend Squarespace. And they, 
really they just want my card. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. I've given out my card to so many people where it's like, this is like this is not going to work out for me. You know, like this yeah, is not going to be right. like a, a business relationship that I'm really interested in having. It's not going to work out for you because like, even if I were to help you with this, I'm not going to be able to give it the amount of time that it would really require. Right. And at the end of the day, we're both just going to feel kind of gross about this. Like, okay, I had a, I had a conversation the other day with a dude uh, who wanted to create a dark web site for indie photographers to anonymously upload their content to stick it to the big gallery systems in New York and it was really going to revolutionize a lot of things mm. it was one of those conversations where it's like the the gap between like the current knowledge that you have and the knowledge that would be required to to make the thing that you're talking about making combined with like what I perceive to be a complete lack of viability leads me to like not want to have this conversation anymore apps are interesting and possibilities for like apps and web projects like you can have really interesting conversations about that you know and for you this is the only conversation you're going to have this month about that but for me this is like the third conversation i've had in the last two days about that yeah yeah i i i I feel like there's also like a big disconnect that like when people talk about these things uh and this is part of actually why I wanted to do a little bit of like surface level, how does programming actually work stuff, uh, which I really enjoyed. But I partially wanted to understand like what does it actually look like? What does it feel like? What does it take to like do a project? It's not that I, I didn't work anything on it, like uh, uh, build anything as a team, but it did occur to me, you know, it's like when people talk about like actually building something that is going to like require updates and is going to like be a big complicated project. Like you might as well say like, let's go build a restaurant from the ground up and then like install all the plumbing and all the electrical and figure out a supply chain for all of our ingredients and then try to run a business together. Like it's, it's, it's almost at that level. Yeah. And like there was an infographic that went, that made the rounds recently in like, uh, what I can only refer to as like visionary bro culture. (laughs) You know, a bunch of people who, like, are really into, like, Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, the idea that, like, they're going to sort of, like, visualize their success into, like, being a social media maven. Is that meaningfully different from, like, The Secret? Uh, You know what? I can't tell you one way or the other. Mm. There are people I know. Like, I, I have met a dude in the last year who is incredibly good at like literally is a social media maven um and is very into gary vaynerchuk and is getting a lot out of it and is actually incredibly successful but this guy is like one in a thousand you know like one out of every thousand social media mavens will actually be a social media maven you know right but anyway there's this infographic that went around the world of like visionary bros that was like the world's largest transportation company uber doesn't actually own any cars. Oh, how many the world's times largest do I have to hear hotel this? chain. The world's largest hotel chain, Airbnb, doesn't own, doesn't any, own any hotels. Yeah. And like the point of this thing is that like if you build an app, you don't need to buy any infrastructure. Yeah, right. Therefore, creating a billion dollar business is easy. You don't have to have a human resources department either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like an infectious virus that has like entered the minds of like a lot of like 
wish I had a billion dollar app company bros. Right. And so I have all these conversations with people where, first of all, they tell me their idea. I'm like, okay, I'm never, I'm, John, I really want to stress this. I am never like totally dismissive of someone's idea. Like I am never like, yeah, that's not going to work. Sorry, buddy. Bye. But like I'll, I'll, I'll find like the first big hurdle that they're going to run into and I'll like bring it up to them. And either they've already thought of it and have like either a solution or a direction they want to go in, in which case I'm interested in this as a thoughtful person. Or they haven't thought of it and they either get excited about finding a way around it and start suggesting things or they completely shut down and, and say, well, I have another idea too, right? Yeah, right. And if they say, well, I have another idea too, then I start exiting the conversation as soon as possible. That's when you do a that's when you do a duck and roll out of the out of the Uber in, in the middle of the highway. Yeah, exactly. I blame I blame television for this. I blame like the social network movie just talking about like Zuck is just like this like Harvard kid and he writes the writes the Facebooks and then he gets kicked out of Harvard and then he's like smashing computers in a glass office and smoking weed with Justin Timberlake. It's just this very quick progression where they really don't show any hard work. Well, and they don't show that he's also like a complete anomaly. That like he Yeah. To say that he's the exception to the rule is like the understatement of the of the century. There's just like so few places where they're actually confronted with problems besides the problem that like rich spoiled twins want to sue me. You know? Yeah, right. And like that was not the problem. Like the the problem isn't that like I thought of an idea and it became magically successful and then all of a sudden haters started popping up. You ever heard that Mark Twain quote that the problem with Americans is that they're never poor, they're only temporarily embarrassed millionaires? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think that that there are a lot of like wannabe startup bros who have an idea for an app uh, who listen to a lot of like Logic and g Easy, <laughs> who have this idea that like they are a temporarily embarrassed millionaire and as soon as they can find like a computer guy to like make their idea a reality they're going to be really rich and then at that point they're only going to hang out with the ones who hung out with them when they were broke right right and they're like six or seven steps ahead you know (laughs) i think that that vision and like that like refusing to be wrong i think that can work for certain people if they decide to never give up you know and if they really decide to like never give up on that vision it finds a place to live and i think particularly like in music or the arts or uh even like cooking or something like that that type of vision and like enforced creativity and enforced work ethic like leads to people being very successful because they they like will accept nothing less i think that leads to people getting in rooms that they wouldn't have otherwise got in and getting opportunities they wouldn't have otherwise gotten but at the same time i think that there's a huge misconception in my industry. Well, we're in the same industry. You're just on the finance side and I'm on the building side. Yeah. But like, I think in the, like the app economy industry, there is a huge disconnect 
between just like being a visionary and being successful that so many people don't get. And like that's why like I admire someone like you where you're a finance guy and yet you're going to take six months and you're going to learn how to program just because it's important to know what's going on on the other side of that, you know? The the flip side of it that scares me is uh, there was this interview with Louis C.K. on uh, Fresh Air years ago where he was talking about this amateur comedian who approached him at a club and said, you know, Louis, watch my set. I've, uh, you know, and he kind of had this whole narrative in his mind of like, you know, I'm this underdog comedian and I'm going to, I'm going to make my way up. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way into this industry. No one can stop me. Like all the best comedians, you know, have all these hurdles in their way and they, they're broke and they're drug addicted. And I'm going to go through that whole thing and I'm going to make it to the top and nothing can stop me. Sure. And he said, Louie, you know, watch my set, give me feedback. And Louie watched it and he said the feedback he gave him was, Hey, that just wasn't that good. Like, you're just not that funny. You're funny enough to play right. in like Minneapolis or whatever, but like, you're not going to be a touring comedian. You're just not that good. And the, he said the guy's reaction, of course, was was like, "Oh man, this is great. This is just like more fuel for the fire." Louis C.K. told me I'm not going to make it, and he's like, "No, no, no, no. Like, don't use that as fuel. You really should like go do something else because this isn't for you." Right, he was right, like, right. "Oh man, keep on pouring it on," <laughs> because because he was just eating it up. Because he's, but you know, the, the that to me that's like a certain kind of hell too. Because it's like, oh man, like what if you really just had no idea and you were being persistent with the wrong thing? Uh, that idea scares the crap out of me. Yeah, totally. Um, but I think that people find the right thing. Like I think that that guy will either become broken and become an alcoholic and uh and you know die alone or that guy will end up sort of pivoting and ending up like running a comedy club that's very successful I've got a very thick and luxurious the most thick and luxurious carpet that Home Depot sells if that's self-indulgent the entire show is self-indulgent I wish there was a way to like have a do not disturb button for all of your life um, I really am trying to avoid saying do you know how the internet works <laughs> <laughs> the guy with the hair in Hunger Games <laughs> Woody Harrelson I don't know no not Woody Harrelson Woody Harrelson doesn't have hair isn't that the whole point oh right that's the whole thing about him searching the web for podcast topics cars and guns never really uh never really tickled my fancy yeah well, neither has really been like one of my core competencies ever i built a server rack in my basement recently which is part of the insufferable network situation we talked about i had to change the plan halfway through after buying the materials uh because of unforeseen circumstances and uh i think that the adjustments to the plan were we're spot on. I'm going to thank my friend David for really being the voice of reason in that situation. I would have gone hog wild on that on that server rack, and who can really who can really say how that would have turned out? But David is a much more measured, older than me, and more experienced in the ways of tools guy, and he he convinced me to to slow down a little bit. That's something I'd be interested in talking about. There are certain people. Uh, and David is one of them. Um, and I really don't want to blow up David's spot, but we're here. There are people in this world who seem to get a ton 
of fulfillment slash enjoyment out of signing up to be a part of other people's projects. I don't know. Like, I have never been that guy. Like, I don't know. Like, just like if I, like, wake up one day, the thing I'm thinking is, like, is not, like, I should call Daniel and see if he wants to go to AutoZone and get those suspension parts for his car that we were talking about him getting and then spend the whole day helping him install them. There's, like, a level of, like, service to that that I appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm grateful that, like, it helps me. Um, But, like, I don't really understand it. Um, Because to me, like, I'm happy to help, but usually I need to be asked. Yes. You know? Because, like, it's not, like, a driving motivator for me to, like... Let me ask you this. Do you like to be helped on on things like that? Of course. You do? Of course. Okay. Yes. And like if if you're just like sitting there at dinner and you say, yeah, you know, I'm building this server rack and it's whatever. And you're not even asking. You're not fishing or anything. Like you want someone to say like, Oh well, Daniel. You know, you really ought to build it like this, and then to like jump in. You 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 like that? I want like a hardware store buddy. Okay. To go with me to Home Depot and like buy the wood and remind me of the thing I didn't think of ahead of time. But do you want him to offer that up, or do you want uh, to ask him to be your hardware buddy? Uh I don't know. I've done both. I have asked him to help me with things before. Yeah. But. He also, like, volunteers it more. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like we've sort of fallen into a rhythm now <laughs> with the, with him helping me with things. Yeah. You know? Where, like, I'm very grateful for it. And, like, I don't want to be at the point where, like, it's kind of expected that he's going to help me with any project I have. Yeah. But he does seem to really enjoy doing that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I really enjoy having him around. Huh. Um, and occasionally we work on his projects. Yeah. But... He seems to like to work on his projects by himself and only only he asks me for help when he needs it. Huh. But like I'll talk to him and it'll be like a Sunday and he'll hit me up at like 3 p.m. and be like, hey, he talks like this. Hey, sir. Um, <laughs> so I was installing uh, the new up pipe for my turbo and um there's just something I, I need more hands. Um, do you think you could come over and just hold something for me while I try and undo this bolt? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'll go over and hold the thing for him while he undoes the bolt. And that is totally chill. But the other side of that is like, he'll call me on like a Friday and be like, hey, Daniel, um... So you got the uh, lateral link bushings, right? That you ordered, right? Um, do you want to uh, do you want to install those on Sunday or something? And I was like, Oh, sure, David. That sounds great. Thanks for offering. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think I have um, a friend like this. This is a unique situation that you're in. Uh, he is. He's a very unique individual. He's great. I think he's you know he's a solid solid fella. He sounds like it. I'll tell you, my instinct if to, to if I was around something like that, my my gut reaction if somebody called me and and asked me that about my whatever you just said, 
uh, re- rebooting the mainframe. Uh, <laughs> Lateral link bushings. My uh, my initial reaction would be like, "Hey, man, get out of my business." <laughs> yeah, but like, I feel like it would maybe at first. I feel like it would if you didn't know David, you would be like, "What do you What do you want from me?" Yeah, you know that would be. I'd be like, suspicious. What? Yeah, but then you meet David, and you're like, David. I mean, if David wants anything from you, it's just like friendship. Yeah, you know. Well, and he, it's not just me. He helps out. Like, I I talk to him all the time, and he's like, "Hey, I'm just helping Otto uh, fix something on his cart." Yeah. You know, or like, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm over here like watching the store for Ned. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, how did you even know Ned needed the store watched? (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like, I just kind of wandered in and was like, you need a break? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't, I do think that that like in general, that that's a, that is a laudable position. I think it's a, I think it's good. I am not like that. Um, and I, no, no, and no. I will admit that my initial reaction, if somebody around me is being like that is, oh, they want something. Right. No, for sure. That's such a bad reaction for me to have. I don't like that. I have that reaction. Yeah. I don't know. Like, what if you just trusted everyone who like kind of wanted to hang out with you more than normal, you know, <laughs> that would be a really bad situation. Yeah. Cause like how many of those people are weird as, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, then occasionally you find a gem like yeah. David. Um, although, you know what? I'm not going to. I am not going to say that David is not weird. David is definitely weird. <laughs> and I don't know very many of those people. I know a few of them. And I, I hate to say this. I feel like I more than anything now I'm just revealing something negative about myself. But I I a lot of the time feel annoyed by those people and I don't trust them. And I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I think part of it is that I just don't, uh, I don't know if it's an ego thing or what, but like, I don't usually want other people involved in my projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, let, let, let me succeed or fail. And I'm, I would rather fail like by myself initially rather than like get help that I didn't ask for, you know? I'm happy to ask for yeah, help, yeah. but like, don't give me help I didn't ask for. Oh boy, Ugh. you went uh, you went bonkers there for a second. Oh, now you can't hear me. Oh, don't give me this. Got to be kidding this is nonsense. me! Nonsense. Ugh. So anyway, the thing hello, is hello. about making songs. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Good gracious! Are you kidding me? What? I can oh. hear you fine. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, no. I thought you would lag down. I'm going to murder the internet. I'm going to take a knife. I can hear you. And I'm going to brutally murder the internet. Oh, you can hear me? Okay, cool. I will be in Japan. I'm going to see Scott and Man, my Scott. parents, and that would be so fun. What is Scott doing right now? Scott. What a guy. What a little mole of a man. Um, Scott fell in love with a lady from Japan whose name really? he insists on pronouncing wrong. <laughs> um, That's, oh, please go on. 
and uh yeah well he just he moved to japan uh to follow his heart and uh good for him for sure um he got to japan with a 90-day visa and no job and like several thousand dollars um and uh basically over the course of that time it was basically like need to get a job so that i can extend this visa Mm -hmm. um so then he locked down an english teaching job that required a college degree Um, oh that's gonna be a stumbling block one thing we all know about scott ritchie is that scott ritchie has been very successfully not writing a single 30 page paper for the past (laughs) five years scott ritchie was faced with the self-imposed crisis he could no longer postpone or evade um which was that to keep the visa he had to get a job and to get a job he had to get a degree and to get a degree he had to write a 30-page paper and there was a pretty hard deadline that was imposed by a nation state um (laughs) this is no longer a battle of will this was actually a a legal problem yeah this this is going to be an international incident (laughs) before long um and damned if that little mole of a man did not write a 30-page paper and graduate from Covenant College mm. and got a job and got a visa and now is an expatriate. Scott, Scott, Scott. Good for him. That's excellent. Scott and I shared the same advisor in college, the philosophy guy. Um. Him and Dr. Davis had a Google document wherein they were sort of co-editing his final paper that he had to write. And uh, basically Davis at one point told him, this paper is now a B. You can stop writing and I will call <laughs> I will call the registrar and get them to send you a diploma. It's sound the gong. This is yeah. you you have arrived. <laughs> this is now a B. <laughs>